0: Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. Today, my guest is a thought leader and early adopter of the carnivore lifestyle as we celebrate World Carnivore Month in January. It's neurosurgeon, functional medicine doc, and former professional rugby player, Dr. Anthony Chafee. He's the plant-free MD if you want to search for him online, and you'll get to meet him right after this. I need a show of hands of those of you looking for comfort food this time of year. I think it's everybody who's listening. Colder months, we want delicious foods and you combine it with Ralston Family Farms rice and you have yourself a winner. Something the entire family will like. I'm on Ralston's website right now. This should be one of your favorites because of the recipe section. Brittany, their daughter-in-law, Robin and Tim's daughter-in-law, does a lot of the recipes there. In fact, the entire family chips in you know, 10 generations of farmers there in North Central Arkansas and the whole family's working. But these recipes OMG, the white chicken chili, delicious. The some kind of good grits casserole. Okay, that one I'm saving. I did cheese grits for Christmas. Everybody loved it, but I'd like to, you know, kind of mix things up. Nature's Blend Hummus Bowl. These are all on their website. And their website is where you can order the Ralston Family Farms rice or find out where maybe a grocery store near you has it. I get asked that all the time in central Arkansas. But wherever you are listening right now, check them out. Order some rice, everybody's happy. RalstonFamilyFarms.com Happy World Carnivore Month, everybody. That's from me, Lisa Fisher, who eats a meat-based diet. And I do that when I dine out at David's Burgers. It makes it very easy. David's Burgers has 10 locations in central Arkansas. You know the Bubba's family for the delicious foods that they've been serving here for 10 years. And even before that, up in Russellville... But let me tell you this. The best way to celebrate World Carnivore Month is through a catered meal from David's Burgers. It might be at the office. It might be you and some friends. You can do big, you can do small. They are prepared for any of it. They would like a 36-hour notice, but you can go online to davidsburgers.com catering and get all the deets. I'm looking at them now. I'm looking at the box lunch. That's parties of 10 to 25. I'm looking at the burger bar. I think that's very clever. And you've got the add-ons. You can do the party room you can do whatever you want they're always thinking of the customer because the customer is always right at david's burgers i just went there last night for dinner because i was talking about david's burgers and then i said let's go get a burger and with the cheese and the mushrooms and the onions and it was perfection davidsburgers.com she won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said
1: Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher.
0: When did you start having steak every day? When did you make the switch?
1: Uh, I actually started 22 years ago. Well, I've always been a big steak person. I've always loved uh, meat all the time. I was was that kid that you had to fight and force uh, (laughs) to get vegetables down my throat and so all I wanted to do was eat the meat that was that was everything that I wanted anyway so I was always that was always my preference anyway and so when I when I moved out and went to college I mostly just ate meat anyway and I sort of would get it some some greens or something just out of you know I was like oh I guess I'm supposed to get that Um, but when I was doing my undergraduate degree at the University of Washington in Seattle I was taking cancer biology and I'd already taken biology and botany and I already knew that plants use defense chemicals to defend themselves and that plants and animals were an evolutionary arms race in order to uh, you know stay ahead of the the other animal you know, the other sort of predators, so plants would become more and more poisonous, so less and less things could eat them. And then animals become adapted to those poisons and so on. We were, again, going over this in cancer biology, but from a cancer perspective. So we were looking at carcinogens, and we looked specifically at the carcinogens available in vegetables, and we learned that there had already been discovered 136 Justin Brussels sprouts, and this was 22 years ago, right? So 136 Justin Brussels sprouts, over 100 in mushrooms, spinach, kale, lettuce, celery, cabbage, cucumber, broccoli, You know, every every plant that you've ever eaten. Uh, we were given a list and they had 60, 80 or or over 100 known human carcinogens in them each and they were very abundant. We've known since uh, the 1980s from work of uh, Professor Bruce Ames from UC Berkeley that the naturally occurring pesticides in plants that they use to stop insects, animals and pathogens from preying on them outweigh the pesticides that we spray on them industrially by weight by a factor of 10,000 and that (laughs) The naturally occurring poisons are, you know, orders of magnitude times more likely to cause cancer than the pesticides we spray on them industrially. So specifically in mushrooms, like white mushrooms that we just eat on a normal daily basis. And ALAR, which was the pesticide that he was looking at specifically in that study, was 500 times more likely to cause cancer than ALAR. So mushrooms are 500 times more likely to cause cancer. So we were quite blown away by this and obviously taken aback. And everyone was just thought he must be joking, but we realized he wasn't. And I remember thinking to myself like, well, you know, because you know, your entire life you're being inundated with eat your vegetables, they're good for you, they're the only thing that's good for you, even though they taste like garbage which should tell you something. You know, deer don't go around eating the horrible tasting leaves. They eat the leaves that taste good. And that that's a natural positive feedback that your body's giving you saying, hey, this is something good for you or this is something bad for you. Don't eat it. And there are outliers, obviously, like sugar and things like that. But, you know, you, you, you shouldn't hate the taste of something that's good for you. That, that you can take to the bank. And so I remember thinking in my head, I was like, but, but vegetables are still good for you, though, anyway, right? And he must have just read our minds because he looked at us, gave us a funny look, and just said, I don't eat salad. I don't eat vegetables. I don't let my kids eat vegetables.
0: Oh, my god! Plants
1: are trying to kill you. And I said, right, that's it. I'll just stop eating plants. It really, it really hit home with me. And so when I went to the grocery store after that, I just started looking around and everything had plants in it or was plants entirely. And so I was just walking around the, the grocery store thinking like, well, what, what, what do I eat? You know? And I came across some eggs and I said, okay, eggs, I guess I'll eat some eggs. That doesn't come from a plant. Meat, meat doesn't come from a plant. So I just ate eggs and meat and uh, an occasional dairy, but, I, but mostly just eggs and meat. And and that was it. That was my whole rationale was I don't want to eat plants because they have these defense chemicals and carcinogens that are actually worse than pesticides. And so it's not that oh if you grow it in your own garden and you don't spray it with things it'll be okay. It, it'll be better, but it's still a drop in the bucket compared to the actual plant itself. And so you know that that's how I came to it and I just felt amazing after that. And I I was I was playing high level high level rugby. I was an all-American. I was playing in college, and I was playing in the the, the most senior leagues in America and Canada, and then at the professional level in England as well. And and I just felt amazing. I just felt absolutely unstoppable physically and uh, mentally. I I was doing you know I I could get on top of all of my schoolwork and all you know I was I was in my undergrad in pre med uh, while playing. You know, rugby at a high level and training, Uh you know, six to eight hours a day, every single day, and playing Uh games every weekend and traveling. So it was absolutely game changing for me.
0: So the heretic, the professor, was he run out of town on a rail? Because now it's a political movement. Then 20 something years ago, they just thought, ah, he's just a little out there. So whatever happened to him?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. I actually don't know because, um, I don't. I've actually tried to find out what happened to them, especially at the University of Washington. They're very, um, yeah. they're very green. Let's say that you know. Very, so yeah. I would imagine that um, you know that that might have ruffled some feathers. Maybe not so much then, I mean, because, you know, University of Washington, while, you know, there might be a political bent in certain things, they are very academically and, and scientifically minded. There's a lot of great work that comes out of there. It's, it's one of the top medical schools in the country. Uh, you, know, that's, you know, when I was taking genetics there, that was where the Human Genome Project was being. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, headed from you Uh know so that was actually spearheaded at the university of washington so it's a very very scientifically minded and, and uh scientific scientifically based university so um you know as long as you can back it up you know i think you can you can go with it and this is this is just a hard fact you know botany is a hard science and um, this is this is something that any botanist on earth can tell you that, that plants use defense chemicals in order to protect themselves from predation. That that is just a fact, and you can see that in any textbook on botany or horticulture.
0: So, are uh, medical students being taught botany then with that <laughs> same? But, that's what I thought. I mean, then what's no. gone wrong? I mean, I, I understand follow the money, and there's obviously money involved in one movement, and not in, in our the sweet cows we eat but where did this all go wrong
1: yeah i I think you're right i mean i think there's a lot of industry money in this there's a lot of influence from certainly the sugar industries and the food industries in general because they they literally make trillions of dollars off of this plant-based processed garbage the sugar industry alone makes 1.4 trillion dollars a year um and and then it was calculated um uh it was referenced in a book by um Professor uh, Robert Lustig from UCSF, yep. mm-hmm. um, who, who sort of broke the case open on fructose and sugar and how harmful that is, that we spend 2.4 trillion dollars a year just on medical expenses treating the effects of that sugar consumption. So it's it's a losing equation. Mm. So there's a lot of money going into it, and so you know we can actually trace this back to the 60s and beyond. When there was this industry opposition research going out trying to protect their interests in sugar, there was research coming out. There were, there were you know, heart disease is a, is actually a very new disease. It was not prevalent before uh, the twentieth century. It was really not even known about until uh, until the twentieth century. And then President Eisenhower had a heart attack, and then you'll see headlines and you, there are actual headlines that says, what is this new heart disease baffled, you know, doctors oh, baffled wow. over this heart disease, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't know what it was. And so they were like, okay, now we have this, this, uh, you know, presidential commission just looking at, we need to find out what this is. And this is, this is now a matter of, of, uh, uh of, of homeland security and things like that. And so they were looking around and people found that there was a direct correlation with the increase in sugar consumption and processed sugar, refined sugar in, in developed nations and the rise in heart disease. And so the sugar companies saw this and went, right, well, we need to get, you know, opposition research out there. And that's something that they do. You know, Coca-Cola and other p- companies will do this. the they'll, 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 Research will come out saying, hey, you know, this product isn't great and maybe even causes harm. And then they'll pay, you know, 30 people to put out, you know, 30 papers yeah. to come out and say, oh, actually, it's not that bad. And they say, oh, well, look, it's just a mixed message. Oh, we just need more data. We need more data because they're so, it's, yeah, well, look. everything's saying that it's uh, it's it's okay or maybe it's a mixed picture you've paid for. So, I mean, actually, no, it's not all that cloudy. So that's what happened. And so we actually have internal memos, the, the University of California San Francisco, where uh, Professor Lustig hails from they published actual internal memos from the sugar companies back in the 60s in the in the journal of the american medical association it was one of the top medical journals in the world so jama jama and they published these papers showing that the sugar companies saw that like hey there's research showing that sugar causes heart disease we need to cover this up And so in their own words, they detailed how they paid off three Harvard professors to falsify data and publish fraudulent studies to make it appear as if cholesterol is causing heart disease and then to exonerate sugar and say it was safe and call it just an empty calorie. It's just an empty calorie, which sounds self-deprecating, but it's actually hiding the fact that it's actually very, very, very harmful. And then one of those professors was named head of the USDA, and it was he who authored and published the 1977 USDA declaration saying that cholesterol causes heart disease, saturated fat increases cholesterol, stop eating both. And it changed the entire direction of, of the health of humanity. Uh, you know, After that, people actually listened. They really listened. It, it just shut down the debate. I mean, this was a hotly debated topic for decades before that. There was a Dr. Yudkin from the UK who wrote a book called, it was all about sugar. It was like, It was something like sweet, white, deadly or something like that. It was was all about sugar and how toxic it was, you know, and he was right. But he was completely discredited after this. Now that teacher said so, you know, that was it. You know, USDA said it. Well, it must be true. And, you know, this is appealing to authority. I mean, this is, you know, Hitler said a lot of things, too. Are we listening to everything that he said? He was an authority. He was in charge of a a country. And, and, uh, and of course we don't, we don't uh, listen to the silly things he said, but people listen to authority quite often. It's 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 a it's a bit of a flaw in humanity in the human condition that because the official body said so, it must be true. And of course, that's not the case. There are many many times that even very good willing, uh, you know, uh, people you know, earnest you know, uh, uh, recommendations just turned out to be wrong. So, and, you know, obviously they don't all have to be fraudulent, but it just, it doesn't have to be right. And so you just have to sort of take these things with a grain of salt, but people didn't, they said, okay, that's it. We'll do this. And it just, it just took off like wildfire. And in America, we reduced the saturated fat and cholesterol intake by 30%, reduced red meat by 33%, really replace it with chicken, but like lean meats and things like that. But, you know, drop the red meat increased fruits and vegetables by 30 and 40 percent, respectively, and grains and sugar. So what were the results? Well, first of all, the, the, the heart disease rate tripled right? And obesity tripled, stroke rate tripled, cancer rates also tripled, which is something that people don't, aren't aware of. And then things like type 2 diabetes, autoimmune disorders, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, even neurodevelopmental delays such as autism all increased exponentially. And even psychiatric disorders, schizophrenia, bipolar, major depression, OCD, all of these things increased. And they all increased at the exact same time. In fact, there's a, 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 a Harvard psychiatrist who just published a, a book called Brain Energy, Dr. Yes. Chris Palmer, yes. and he made the exact same case that I'm making, is that these psychiatric conditions, as with these other conditions, they're all metabolic issues from eating the wrong thing, we're mm-hmm. eating something that we're not biologically adapted to and, and programmed and designed to eat safely, and so it's throwing off our bodies, throwing off our uh, metabolism, and specifically our mitochondria in, 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 in that case, and in a lot of other cases. And this is causing harm, this is ca- and it's manifesting in various disease forms.
0: Well, you mentioned um, the, the way we're wired, I think, as humans, to follow an authority figure. So, I, I mean, I, I would agree with you, but I think the last two years, or now almost three, have shown us mm-hmm. that people start going, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Now, we do have the internet that we didn't have in 1977. Mm-hmm. So... Do you think then now, because people start seeing maybe we've been lied to, maybe maybe the food pyramid isn't the best thing to have 9 to 12, 15 grains, whatever it is, of whole yeah. grains a day. I mean, what the fatter we've gotten, the more we've counted calories. Do you think right. now we're rising up, Dr. Chafee, and people are thinking, you know what, let me do my own research, let me see what works for my body, and everybody else hush.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of people that are that are coming to this sort of way of eating where they're where they're realizing that this was actually a lie and this was, they were being severely misled. And they're seeing for themselves with their own lion eyes that, you know, they that their diseases are regressing and in some cases reversing. So sure. like type 2 diabetes and even heart disease, people's, you know, um, CAC scores can actually come down if you start eating in different ways. You know, Dr. simahotra who's a, one of the top cardiologists in, in the UK, wrote a book called um, A Statin-Free Life. And he shows that just by reducing the inflammatory factors in the foods that you're eating by going on like a ketogenic diet, just like Dr. Palmer recommends. And, and what do you replace that with? Well, you have to replace it with uh, animal fats, really. And so you're going on to a meat-based, high-fat diet, which is steering you towards what I think is our biologically appropriate diet, what our evolved or designed diet is, which is, which is meat, which is just meat eating a carnivore diet. So you're getting closer and closer to that. You're getting into a metabolic state that is appropriate to us and our species and really all other animals in the wild that um, even carnivores and herbivores, they're all in this ketogenic starvation state it's not a starvation state it's not a fasting state that's our primary metabolic state that's a primary metabolic state of nearly all animals in the wild Mm. and so um, you know people are seeing that and so they're saying and all their family and their doctors are saying you're going to kill yourself if you do this diet you're going to give yourself a heart attack and in fact they're finding the opposite they're losing weight they're reversing their diseases they're coming off their blood pressure medication their insulin is is reducing and all their other medications are reducing as well you're having autoimmune uh, people with autoimmune issues literally within months coming off all their medications and doing remarkably better you know some take longer than others but there are a lot of people that can completely uh, suppress their autoimmune issues, e- even epilepsy, and that's something we've we've known for a century that you can use a ketogenic diet in order to suppress or even prevent seizures. and And what does that mean? That that might actually mean that some people with certain brain chemistry may actually. Have carbohydrates and sugar and certain things may actually precipitate uh, seizures in them. It's not that Mm. they're having these seizures and this is suppressing it somehow. No, no, no. It could be, could be that the carbohydrates and the sugar is actually changing their brain energy, changing the dynamics and the and the the metabolic function of the mitochondria in their brain, and this is precipitating seizures. And so going back off of that, going towards our natural diet, in a ketogenic diet or even a carnivore diet now they're not seeing these seizures it does help a lot of people this has been in the medical literature for literally a century and before that fasting fasting was the only thing that seemed to help people with epilepsy and for the same reason you're getting into the metabolic state you're supposed to be in and and you're not getting this haywire metabolic issue in your brain and so this is something that people are seeing in in real terms in their real life this is an objective measure you know, someone's having three seizures a day. Now they're having none. You you can tell what's going on there. Someone who has Crohn's or ulcerative colitis yeah. and they're having 20 to 30 bloody stools every day mm. and they're in horrible pain. Mm. And now that's gone. You know, rheumatoid arthritis as well. You can see x-rays of, of the damage that it's doing to their joints. Now it's gone. So these are things that people can absolutely see with objective authority. Right. And they can look at that and go, wow, okay, I was lied to. What else was I lied to about? And the the wool comes off their eyes and they really start uh, digging into, you know, what else could possibly be going on?
0: I hope that's the case. I I do hope the last three years have taught us something, and that is to question, I mean, to always question. I'm a journalist, so it's always, it's just my inquisitive nature to always raise my hand and go, no, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, not to be difficult, but just to say, there's got to be another side. So... But a yep. lot of people aren't that way. A lot of people lock, stock and barrel. The doctor said, my cholesterol's 205. I'm on a statin because I'm a health coach. I'm going, seriously? Like, my yeah. question is, you believe him? I mean, you believe, I mean, you haven't, you haven't taken your fingers to your device and they're like, no, my doctor said I need a statin. My cholesterol right. is 205. You know, it makes me pull my hair up. Okay, let's talk more then about diet-specific things because um, one of our instructors at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York was Terry Walls, who obviously has an incredible story about reversing her uh, multiple sclerosis. Um, she was wheelchair-bound. She was lethargic. I mean, it's really amazing. So in the wall's protocol, she does look at more of a ketogenic diet, but eight to 10 leafy greens a day. My mm-hmm. thyroid suffering friends think, ooh, I'm going to get a goiter. But the rest of the world says, okay, I'm going to eat all the kale I can eat. So what what's your scientific belief in that? What's your personal belief in reversing a condition? Do you have to have eight to 10 cups of leafy greens a day to do it?
1: No, I don't, I don't think you need 8 to 10 leafy greens a day I, at all. I, I don't think you need any leafy greens at all. I don't think you need any plant matter at all. Our, you know, All the best data and research and evidence that we have shows that humans have been living and our ancestors uh, were living as pure carnivores, really just just eating meat, just drinking water, maybe dairy, fermented dairy generally. For literally two million years, there was a large wow. paper that came out from uh, University of Tel Aviv from uh, Dr. Mickey Bendor, showing this, just showing all the different uh, data collected, uh, and that was that was what he showed that like you know, we have been you know, hyper carnivores near eating nearly exclusive meat. You know maybe we would have some plants here and there if we were starving and we needed to mm-hmm. or use them medicinally, but generally not. We were just eating meat and you know, we, we can think about this in, in terms of um, the ice ages. When people were crossing the land bridge from Asia to North America, you know, what what fruits were they picking? Right? <laughs> there you were know, not. There's nothing. Right. There's nothing there's nothing there. You know, what, what sort of you know salads right. and things like that were they getting? No, there wasn't anything. It was only meat and they were living as the Inuits are now or the Nanette now, you know, and they, they are they are living on meat. There's no plants to eat. Um, per se so I mean you could you're not going to do well on on pine needles which is basically the only thing that survives up there if they were even there and people will argue they'll say well you know when when the ice sheets were coming down people actually moved towards the equator there's actually no evidence for that 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 is that is just an assertion that is not backed by any any data in fact the fossil record shows the opposite it shows that as the ice sheets were coming down our ancestors were going up And they were going into the ice because that's where the megafauna was. That's where the the mammoths uh, were. And so it's exactly the opposite. And so how are we doing that if we were just herbivores? It it doesn't make any sense. It's, It's also funny because I've never in my entire life heard the assertion that humans are herbivores until maybe the last couple of years. Even the vegan and vegetarian... Uh, you know, push has always been about sort of animal rights. It doesn't it doesn't feel nice to eat animals, and I agree with that. It doesn't feel nice, but it is reality, and reality is going to win. You can deny it for so long, but reality will win. And now they're saying, "Oh no, no!" But actually, we should. This is more healthy. This is how we were. Uh, we have evolved. They're like, "No, that's actually not mm-hmm. the case." And so, you know that that sort of dismisses that. There, like, you know, there were no plants. Uh, to eat there and if you look at all the different sort of plants that you need first of all you cannot get basic nutrition from the plant or fung- fungi kingdom in combination you know you'll never get you, there's no b12 d3 or k2 you'll never get enough vitamin a you have to eat six pounds of carrots to get enough vitamin a every day um you'll <laughs> you all the essential um you can get you can get a complete protein that that's a that's a that's a um a straw man, they'll say like, oh, people say you're not going to get enough protein. You can get, you can get protein. It's not very good. It's not bioavailable, but you can get a complete protein. You can get all the different essential amino acids, but you know, there's so many other things that you're not going to get like the essential fatty acids. And you know, 70% of the solid matter of our brain is fat and cholesterol. 20% of that fat is DHA. That does not exist in plants or fungus, mm-hmm. and so you have, and we don't really make it ourselves. You have to get that mm-hmm. from the food that you're eating. So there are so many things that you have to have that you cannot get from plants. There's nothing that you have to have that you cannot get from meat. And so the idea that we have only eaten plants that that that's just wrong. I mean, it's just you just aren't paying attention. Um, so you can't. We can't have been herbivores, mm-hmm. and there are plenty of of you know studies such as the stable isotope study so say, this is not just one study or a few studies this is this is a technique that we use it's stable nitrogen 15 that we take out of out of fossils or even mummies have done this in egypt and looked at okay what are these guys eating because there's a certain um, amount of stable uh, nitrogen 15, you know, in, in plants, you can measure that and animals that eat that, they'll concentrate that and say, okay, this, this animal was an herbivore. They were eating a lot of these sorts of plants. And then this animal was eating animals that were eating plants. And then you can actually delineate the, the, um, the, the, the food chain, right? So you can actually see if an animal was animal, was eating an animal that was eating an animal that was eating an animal that was eating plants. And that was us we were at, we were actually at the top of the food chain. You know, that's something I learned as a kid, that humans were apex predators, top of the food chain. Apex predators do not graze. Apex predators do not have side salads. Apex predators eat meat. They They eat any animal around them that they care to. And that's the whole idea. And so our carnivore rating was actually higher than lions, hyenas, foxes, wolves alive at the same time in the same area because we were eating the lions, fo- hyenas, foxes, and wolves as well as all the things that they ate as well. So that is just who we are and, and where we came from. And if you the further away you get from your natural food source, the more health issues you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. This is why there are signs at the park and at the zoos that say, don't feed the animals. Mm-hmm. This is not their, their natural food. They will get sick. What do they get sick with? They get obesity, heart disease, liver disease, Mm -hmm. diabetes, cancer. Dogs and cats, same thing. Mm -hmm. Known carnivores, and yet we give them grain and plant-based kibble. They get the same things. We get the same things. And vets are now saying that there's this massive uptick in human diseases in pets, and they're they're scratching their heads about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet they know full well that if you feed something Mm -hmm. uh, what it doesn't eat in the wild, what it's not supposed to eat biologically, it's going to get sick. So this is not something... That that was new. There are even plenty of uh, different maladies that that uh, like you know um, like farm vets would know, like big, big animal vets would know that you know when when a horse or a cow would get into different sorts of feed that they're not supposed to, they'll they will get these these illnesses, and that is is a direct cause from eating the wrong thing. We need to recognize diabetes, heart disease, even cancer, autoimmune disorders. We need to start, re- psychiatric disorders, we need to start recognizing these as food toxicities from eating the wrong things as well, because you treat them very differently. Instead of finding a pill and trying to you know fix a, a bacteria and an infection, you're just removing uh, an offending agent, you're removing, you know this is, a, this is an environmental uh, exposure, poisoning sort of thing, then you just get rid of that exposure from you and then things will start to get better.
0: And what about, you know, my um, functional medicine doctor here always says you are what you eat eats, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it, which I think is a great way to look beyond yourself. It's where where your animal is sourced, but the cows eat grass. Mm-hmm. So then how does that reflect, how is that okay for me? Not, not that there's, I'm not saying it's, you know, illegal, but how does that benefit me if he's eating grass? Because I'm not eating grass. I don't want another salad as long as I live.
1: I yeah. said it. Yeah, uh, I don't either. And I didn't, I didn't. I don't think I've ever enjoyed any salads that uh, I, did I not chewed, have copious amounts of chewed, meat and dressing. Right,
0: on. and crunched and yeah. chewed and crunched with chicken on it and all the things. And I have such higher satiety eating the way I eat now but then how do we justify we want our animals though to eat ruminant animals to eat grass right
1: well whatever they're designed to eat right so you know and and they'll be they're different kind of grasses and so actually they'll they're designed to eat specific grasses and even some grasses will actually be quite harmful for them and you know this isn't this isn't uh, exclusive to us like it it, we, we don't have the defenses to these defense chemicals That um, that would require that would be required to eat these things safely. I mean, you know, define safely is relative. It's all relative. If you're if you're dying and you need to Mm -hmm. eat something, you're going to get nutrition. Like it's safe enough, right? And um, and that's sort of where where sugar is an outlier because it's, we've recognized fructose is a bit sweeter because it's not anything that fructose is in is not like it's not going to kill you that day that's what we found and huh. so we think yeah, that right. that is we we've recognized that as something safe will give you a quick hit of energy short term to go on but cows have the machinery to break down and extract nutrients from the grass that they're designed that's to eat And they have the machinery to break down and detoxify those toxins safely and get rid of them. And so the the leftover is that they're able to magically turn plant material into animal tissue, which is amazing. And they're able to break down fiber and extract the nutrients from that. We are not able to do that. There's no vertebrate animal that can break down fiber. It's the bacteria in their rumen that they've cultivated that actually eats the fiber and they're and as a byproduct they actually excrete short chain fatty acids. So even cows or gorillas or other herbivores they're actually absorbing fat and protein because the fat that the bacteria is excreting and then the bacteria die off and the and they absorb that as protein. So even gorillas that just eat green leaves they yep. get 70% of their calories from saturated fat. Cows get around 80% from saturated fat. So it's really fat that, that runs, the, runs the animal kingdom. So they're, they're turning this grass into fat and protein. And that's what we get because we don't have that ability. There are a lot of nutrients in plants. That's true. Not all of them are available to us because we don't have the biochemical machinery to extract them.
0: Guess what I'm doing, people, in January for 2023? I'm finally taking the Dutch test that I've talked about for so long, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, and I'm doing it through compounding at cornerstone.com. It's a pharmacy in central Arkansas, but any of my listeners can score 20% off the test Guys, that's a big savings. That's why I've put it off. It was you know, typically a, lo- a lot more than it is, but I'm saving 20% because I went to cor- compounding at cornerstone.com and I request a test and consultation under our services. So you click our services, hormone therapy. I'm there right now looking at it and I'm getting the Dutch test. So with the Dutch test, I'm uh, going to send that in like in a day or two and then I'll meet with Allison and then my provider here in Arkansas can you know maybe tweak my hormones or wherever you are you can take that intel to your provider and if you don't have one and you're in arkansas they can help you if you're outside of the state because of state laws they can't do that but you could at least have the information we always say in functional medicine test don't guess Compounding at cornerstone.com. They're the people you turn to. You also get 20% off on any purchase that you find online. The magical word to put in your coupon code is LISA, L I S A, compounding at cornerstone.com. Hey, friends, just a quick little interruption as you're learning on the Lisa Fisher Said podcast, and that is you can learn more. You can learn more about intermittent fasting. If you go to my website, LisaFisherSaid.com/academy, I just dropped an online course to take you through kind of A to Z of intermittent fasting. Even if you've done it in the past or you're not really don't feel like you have your PhD in it, this is a great way to access the knowledge that I've learned because everything I present to you is scientific. That's right, you can start learning about fasting. And in 28 days, you can master the course and be on your way to a life free of many of the conditions that we talk about when you're metabolically unfit. Link is in the show notes, but it's LisaFisherSaid.com slash Academy.
1: There are a lot of nutrients in plants. That's true. Not all of them are available to us because we don't have the biochemical machinery to extract them. Good example of this is corn. Corn, uh, when when we picked it up from Mesoamerica, People were eating it, generally the poor that were eating it, but they, they, they had a process called nish tamalization. This is where the word tamale comes from, from this process. (laughs) And this, you know, they soak it in lye and do all these other sorts Mm -hmm. of things. And this actually detoxifies it a bit. And also makes these nutrients more bioavailable. So Europeans sort of saw that and just went, yeah, it looks great, and forgot the the technique that they were doing or just didn't care. And they brought this over. It's very cheap, very easy to, to grow. And so this this really took off in Europe and then uh, the rest of America. The problem is it's quite nutrient poor. And so this was this was a a you know a staple in poor. Households right. and they were getting quite sick, and they were getting uh, what's called pellagra, which is a, a, a thiamine deficiency, and they were dying of this. Or so actually, there was a lot of people were dying of this. They thought this was an infection. They figured out later that it was that it was not an infection. This was a vitamin deficiency, and th- the irony there is is that corn actually has a ton of thiamine in it. It's just not accessible because it, the chemical bond of what is bound to, we don't have the machinery to break because we are not designed to eat this plant. So this was before how,
0: it was genetically modified. So even yes. before Monsanto or the 1950s yeah, and 60s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, and so that's the thing is that we didn't have we don't have the machinery to break this down because we're not designed to eat corn. That's how a lot of plants Protect themselves and their nutrients. They bind up a lot of the nutrients in ways that animals really can't uh, access, okay. and that's why we have to use these chemical and heat processes to try to try to break these things down artificially. But if you have to do that, if you have to use chemicals, if you have to use a, you know a process to extract nutrients and to detoxify things, like that's why we cook beans. You know, five kidney beans on the WHO website will put you in the hospital and actually undercooked beans can be more toxic than uncooked beans. So like, you know, like al dente sort of beans, don't do it. You know, (laughs) it's not a good idea. And so, you know, that that's, you know, if you have to go through, put something through a process, well, then by definition, we didn't evolve to eat that. We weren't designed to eat that. We had to do something to it in order to make it more palatable and more safe. And so that's that's a, that's a common theme in plants. There are a lot of these things that we don't have have access to. We can't break down properly. We can't access the nutrients to. Um, or there's other things like phytic acid, which will bind to nutrients and make it unaccessible. It'll form a bond that we can't break. Oxalates will also bind to these uh, these things. Protease inhibitors, they'll stop our body from actually even breaking down normally bioavailable meat like in or protein like in meat and make it uh, unavailable so whenever you look on a packet you say oh it has this much protein this much thymine this much iron this much of this other thing um that that may not actually be what your body is able to absorb and use. you might actually be taking away from your body because you can be taking these anti-nutrients that actually will sap your mm. body of various nutrients as well and you can really harm yourself um you know just like the you know the people with pellagra they they were dying there were there were people i don't even know what the numbers were but certainly in the thousands if not hundreds of thousands or more uh were dying from this it's you know it's it's a major thing
0: well let me ask Mm -hmm. you this then as a college student that lets you never had chip and dip you never had cheese dip, <laughs> salsa, and corn chips and all that? Are you saying you totally turned your back on that and you were eating bacon and beef and butter and eggs?
1: So mm-hmm. I, I have now. Definitely now. Yeah, I don't touch that stuff. But
0: You don't miss it. You don't miss a crunch.
1: Nah. No. No. I, I, you know, I, I do I don't, miss I don't, a crunch. Yeah. Well, you know, there's things you can do, actually. You know, um, you can take a, like a pork loin right? Yeah. Just like a tenderloin yeah. mm-hmm. sort of semi-freeze it or freeze it and you just get like one of those sharp like you know meat cutting knives and you just right. slice it off You know, you can do it quite thin and put it on drying racks put it on a meat dehydrator yeah. uh, or you know food dehydrator it comes out like if you do it really thin it's like Lay's potato chips you can do it sort of thicker oh, as well wow. Um, but I mean, literally, like Lay's potato chips, it's like exactly that crunch, but it's meat flavored because it is meat and you put a bit of salt on it or whatever. Oh. And it's fantastic. And um, so those are the know, kind of
0: carnivore crisps that people buy. Have you seen yeah, those packaged foods? Of, yeah. I haven't had it.
1: Yeah, those are. Uh, yeah, you could do the same sort of thing. You could you could okay. buy them, but they're, they're easy enough to make. All and right. um, yeah, the best one to do, I've found, is is the pork loin. Uh, just because right. it's sort of, you know, it's cylindrical and you yes. can sort of cut off little, you know, circle shapes sort of chips. you're talking shape, about the loin
0: with the, with the fat, not the tenderloin that's lower in fat. No,
1: yeah, yes, the tenderloin. Oh, yes. The
0: tenderloin, the smaller. Tenderloin, yes. Okay. Yeah, so, so the long, long right. cylindrical
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. piece, yeah. And you can just cut that off into, you know, little dimes and, uh, you know, and it's, um, you know, and it is great. And and you're cutting it against the grain, right? So right. Uh, it's just, it's crunchy and chewy. Okay. Sometimes if you're, if you're drying, you know, with a long mm-hmm. fibers, uh, it's just, it's just harder to chew and kind of get you know, like beef jerky is, yep. uh, you know, can be like tough and try yeah. to get through it. Whereas if you do this against the grain, it just chews up very easily and it has that same sort of crunchy, soft texture. But, you know, the thing is, is I, I just, I just really prefer feeling the way I do all the time to eating whatever like I, do, I don't miss it i've always loved meat; that's always been my favorite anyway but i would rather feel like a superhero 24 7 than you know eat something nummy every now and then that's just yeah okay, that's, that's, just that's my a good way preference. to put it
0: because you do have to you have to pay for um, when you have i had corn after not having corn you know going carnivore mm-hmm. in july we're recording this in december and family was in town we went to the mexican restaurant it is nothing but corn, you know, as you talked about tamales <clears throat> and having the corn chips and having a taco. And there was a headache that came on that I hadn't had. I mean, I hadn't felt that way in months. Mm-hmm. And so not going to do corn yeah. again.
1: Well, that's it. And and so I've, I've, I've mm-hmm. tested that as well. And you know, because I did this 22 years ago, I actually did that for sort of five, six years. And then I sort of slipped off of it when I was living in England because I just didn't have the same access uh, to, to meat over there. Uh, some of it was breaded. And I was thinking to myself, like, you, yeah. know, you, you can make excuses for any bad decision. Yes, and so I was like, true. well, you know, is it is it that bad? Is it, you know, yeah. d- you know poison, you know, dose makes the poison. So maybe it's right. not all that bad. And I convinced myself of that. And so I started with eating this breaded crumbed meat. And, you know, a few months into it, I remember thinking to myself, why don't I feel as just superhuman amazing mm-hmm. as I normally do? Am I not working out as hard? Am I getting older? I was twenty five at the time. I figured, okay, am I just dying now? Mm-hmm. I'm just over the hill, like, and <laughs> that's it. And um, you know, looking back, that was that was when I sort of started slipping off. And and you know, because I came back to this, and again, I was always just very meat heavy. But after that, the main thing that that did was it it stopped me from being that mindset of I'm not eating any plants. You know, then it was just kind of like, oh, well, a little bit here and there. And then it's just, you know, you're back to sort of okay. eating normally again and still very meat centric. And I was still very sort of cautious about things. But, it you know, it, it got a foot in the door. And so, you know, my 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 attitude towards it changed dramatically since then. And then sort of five, six years ago, I came across information that, you know, humans actually are carnivores as a species. Biologically, this is just the kind of animal we are. And I looked back and I was like, "That's it. That's what I was doing. That's why I felt so amazing." And I was like, "Right. I knew. I knew it. I knew plants were trying to kill me. I get rid of these stupid <laughs> things." And right. I just started, you know, just going full on, uh, just meat and water after that. And I felt absolutely amazing. I completely tra- changed uh, my health. I had unlimited energy. I my body just changed dramatically. I literally I lost twenty three pounds in ten days, and I wasn't <laughs> even eating carbs. Yeah. I wasn't even eating carbohydrates. i was I was basically doing keto. I wasn't <clears throat> doing keto to do yeah. keto, but i was I was. I was yeah. only eating greens and eating a limited amount of meat. and it was quite lean meat. And but I had come across research showing that you know cholesterol is actually really good for you. It was never a cause of disease. I knew about the fructose uh, research, and I knew about the plants and all these sorts of things. And so I was able to really come at it from a different, way that time and so i just stopped eating all the greens and i started eating way more fatty meat and probably quintupled my caloric intake and i lost 23 pounds in 10 crazy. days i was working out very hard as well lifting a lot of weights but at the same time that's a lot <laughs> and that's impressive and, now, yeah, and I he, felt I felt absolutely amazing, and I was like, "Right, I'm ready to go back playing rugby again." I was 38, you know. I was I was just I just come back from doing humanitarian work in Bangladesh. I was you know volunteering as a doctor in the the refugee camps in southern Bangladesh to help the Rohingya refugees that were well, escaping genocide in Burma. I
0: mean, what haven't you done? Yeah. <laughs> of course, well,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. Well, so I was doing that, and and then I was back, and I was just like, "Hey, I want to get back in shape. I want to go play rugby." But I was like, you know, I was out of shape. I was uh-huh. you know, I was like. I don't know two hundred and seventy pounds or something like that, like like out of shape and I hadn't been doing anything in like a year or more. and uh literally in in um, ten days I was down to two forty three you know how tall are you? Six foot three
0: so uh, rugby players in are that big that sizable like you know
1: generally yeah, okay yeah I'd, there's, I'd, different, there's different sizes for different okay. positions but yeah yeah, yeah.
0: that's Im- that's impressive.
1: Yeah. So you can be be big. All muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, I mean, I had, I, I I was not all muscle at that time, but, you know, but then I just changed, you know, uh, you know, just basically changed over from, from extra fat to, to muscle, but I stayed at 243 pounds and I stayed on the dot. I was 243 pounds every single morning mm-hmm. for months after that. It was never, literally never 242 or 244. It was 243 <laughs> on the dot every single day. And I was lifting weights for three to four hours a day. I was playing rugby and my body was just transforming in front of me. And I was just eating a ton of meat and lifting a lot of weights and working out. And my I, I just transformed. And so I was stacking on muscle and shredding body fat. And I turned into, you know, 243 pounds, you know, solid six, you know, 6% body fat, just solid muscle. And, um, and it just felt absolutely incredible.
0: Do you supplement at all?
1: No, no, you don't need to you know, you get everything that you need from meat. And so, you know, if you need to take supplements just to get basic nutrition, then by definition, your diet is deficient. So carnivore isn't. So just for basic nutrition, you don't need that. If you're talking about, you know, from supplementing from a workout perspective, certainly you don't need to take any protein shakes or anything Mm -hmm. like that. You get hundreds of grams of protein a day. If you're just eating meat, especially if you're working out a lot, it's going to, it's going to trigger your body to want more. Your, your appetite is just naturally going to increase. Um, And, you know, I, I used to take, um, like pre-workout drinks and like branched chain amino acids before I work out. And like, that was actually a huge game changer when I was just eating a normal diet like that, especially the branched chain amino acids. That made a huge difference in how I felt. If I was playing like a rugby tournament, like a sevens tournament, you know, I could go all day and i would be pretty sort of worn out and, you know, bodies are tired at the end of the day or end of two days or three days if I would take that, that branched chain amino acids drink, I'd be, I'd be just refreshed. It'd be like I was, it was my first game out there and I just felt great. I tried that on carnivore. It actually took me down a peg. I didn't feel as good. I didn't get as good of a workout. I think it probably had a lot to do with the artificial sweeteners and things uh, like that in there yeah. that this sort of screwed with you. I don't think it was like the BCAAs yeah. themselves. And so I I tried dabbling with that and getting the unflavored Uh, BCAAs, which just are the worst tasting things you'll ever, Uh, you'll ever come across in your entire life. I won't, I won't like appall you and your guests by describing it, but it is bad. It is not, it is not palatable. That's not something you're, you're going to be able to do Uh on a daily basis. And so I just like, right, I I just don't do this. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't take anything like that. I don't take any uh, lifting supplements. I don't think there's anything you need. Most of these things are plant-based anyway. You know, like you have to have this thing that can boost your testosterone or do this or that or whatever. You know, I have patients in clinic, um, because I have, I have a functional medicine practice outside of my residency in neurosurgery. And, uh, we, we put people on a carnivore diet, people in their sixties and seventies, at men in their 60s and 70s and they increase their testosterone by 30 to 40 percent in the first three months wow. without any hormones uh, supplementation so um, like this is something that's just you know makes a massive 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 difference so i don't feel that i need any of those things I've, i feel better than i've ever felt in my entire life even as compared to myself as a professional athlete when not eating this way when I was a professional athlete eating this way, I've I've never felt better in my entire life. I don't think I've ever been well, I've never been that fit in my life. I don't think there was anyone on earth who was in as good a shape as I was. I really feel that way. Maybe just my own maybe my own hubris, but I was in insane shape. Like I literally could not get tired. I was at a dead sprint for eight hours a day, every single day. And yeah. I could not get tired. So um, you know, I I just I I never <clears throat> reach the maximum potential that my body could give me when I was eating like that anyway. So I've never seen the, the need to try supplements.
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, because our soil is so deficient, I do love the magnesium I take um, the magnesium breakthrough that I take from bioptimizers. Um, that's just, and I am a thyroid patient. I mean, I, and I have, I've reversed my Hashimoto's, but because my gland was attacked for so long that little thing just shriveled up and you know I, I still have to take that the only medicine i have to take is np thyroid um so i was just thinking of things like magnesium but well, i get it
1: well no but but you're, you're you're right though because you know the thing is is that you can you can have you can absolutely have deficient soil in certain areas and you can have for whatever reason like you say <clears throat> you know it's it's uh, it matters the food that your food eats, right? Because if, right. if your food is, you know, is going to be on a feed lot and they're sort of like, you know, um, uh, nutrient deficient in, in a certain way, they're they're going to be a bit nutrient deficient. So you can be, you're going to be nutrient deficient. I have found that most people are, are magnesium deficient right. uh, in Australia anyway. There's so many people, and they really do need these supplementations. Um, it can take months and months and months and months and months, of even eating right and even supplementing to get that magnesium back to a normal level. So if you're in that, most people are going to be in that area. So it actually, it is probably um, going to be beneficial for most people to supplement at least early on. Maybe you get to a point where you don't need to, but it, it really doesn't matter if you if you check your labs and your magnesium is deficient or your zinc or your whatever, if it's deficient even if you're on a carnivore diet, and you should be getting everything that you need, for whatever reason, you're not, you know, supplementation is actually a good idea. So I do, I'm not against supplementation. Uh, for me, I, I've done my bloods, I don't think I need that. But, um, but that is something that you're, you're absolutely right. If this, is, if this is something, if you do find that you're a bit deficient, and especially if you're coming from a, a deficient state. You know, mm-hmm. by by the time I checked my bloods, I was already you know, three years into this, mm-hmm. and so you know, my my endocrinologist friend, mm-hmm. who sort of did all my bloods, was just like he's I've never seen bloods like this. He was he was really blown away, and that's what he why he got interested in a carnivore diet as well. And now he promotes that and yeah. uh, and pitches that to his patients, simply from our discussions, but also from seeing you know uh, the proof of my of my blood work, but you know, if you are deficient for whatever reason, especially early on, most people are going to be deficient early on. Supplementation is actually, uh, you know, not a bad idea.
0: Okay, um, talking about labs, I noticed mine changed and not in a great way, but I was measuring two things that I really chase: are my fasting insulin because I'm a six-year intermittent faster and my fasting insulin's about 2.2. And then my C-reactive protein was 0.17 when I was, when I started carnivore, because I am a thyroid patient and bioidentical hormone replacement patient, um, my nurse practitioner does kind of keep a short leash on what my labs are doing. And I kind of look, but I noticed my fasting insulin came up to 5.5. I know that's not an emergency, but my C-reactive protein came up to like 0.5 i mean it's not much do you think that was an aberrant day because i know our labs can fluctuate or do i need to live is it okay to live with a little higher fasting insulin and c-reactive protein though i don't want those high
1: Mm -hmm. um well it can be you know you you will see variations in your lab tests just based on the conditions that that you get those under so we recommend to our patients in our clinic that you get always get your bloods under the same conditions, so on the same time of day, the same oh. hydration status, same okay. fasting status. Okay. So even if something's re- not required as a fasting uh, lab, we would say you know get it between you know nine and eleven in the morning mm-hmm. and fasted
0: mm-hmm.
1: with at least two glasses of water, no more than four glasses of water. Okay, and say so just keep it in that consistent range, and you'll have you know more consistent results. And <clears throat> So you can check that. Also, with you know, with CRP, CRP is a marker of generalized inflammation. So this is something that we use in the hospital to see if someone is has an infection or has some some sort of something horrible going on. If they get surgery, their CRP is going to go up. If they have an infection, their CRP is going to go up. So that's something that that can go up for a lot of different things as well. Insulin, uh, your fasting insulin is. Really not going to be affected by meat or fat at all. There's plenty of uh, you, know, you know biochemical studies showing that fat does not a- affect your right. insulin levels. And so when you're when you're eating that way, it's not really going to affect it. So I, I really wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried. You know, if there was something else sort of slipping in. You know, there's certain lectins that can bind onto uh, you know insulin binding sites. There are obviously you know if you're going to to the place and getting some some chips and nachos every now and then. Yeah. That's going to affect something, yeah. but I, I think in general, if you're really just sticking to you know certainly a ketogenic diet and uh, in particular a carnivore diet, that you really just don't have to worry about it. You know, my, I I don't check my labs in that regard. I, I I just I trust my body. I don't have I don't have <laughs> diabetes or anything like that. But I just trust that Whatever, you know, I, I trust that I'm eating physiologically. I'm I'm eating to my biological design. And whatever my body wants to do with that, it's free to do.
0: Okay, let's talk about fiber. That's one pushback I get all the time. Lisa, what am I, I have to have these plants for fiber? What's the answer?
1: Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <It's> actually <laughs> That's it. Okay, um, thanks for coming yeah, by,
0: everybody. That's
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah, no, it's it's not. It's not only that you don't need it. You don't. You don't want it. It actually causes harm. It's not good for you. It's um, you know. It's so you you know the. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot to the whole fiber thing. But, you know, there was um, there was no real push for people to eat fiber before the 1980s when we said, hey, don't eat fat, don't eat meat. And then all of a sudden, everyone started getting fiber. I was a kid during that. I remember this being discussed on the news. And the people saying, oh, well, people should maybe eat more fiber. It's recommended to mm-hmm. eat more fiber. And that will give something bulk to, mm-hmm. you know, work the peristalsis and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, was a, you know, it was just a suggestion to deal with a problem. Why were people constipated? Are people constipated, you know, in rising numbers to such, a, to such an extent to become a problem out of nowhere? That there, pro- that, that there was never a problem before. You know, why wasn't anyone constipated before 1986? Well, the answer was <laughs> everyone was eating fat. It's actually fat that drives your digestion. Your body can only absorb a certain amount of fat uh, through bile, right? You know, so when your body has bile, it's stored in your gallbladder, it's excreted out and it'll concentrate, right? So it's actually where gallstones come from. If you don't eat enough fat, it'll concentrate, concentrate. What happens to any hyper-concentrated solution at rest? It turns into precipitate, turns into stones and that's what gallstones are. So if you and you'll 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 see this that everybody who gets gallstones they're all like oh, I've been going on this weight loss diet mm-hmm. and what do you how do you wait, lose weight? You don't eat fat. If you want to lose fat, you stop eating fat. And even people in the carnivore community, they're like, oh well, I, I want to lose fat, so I should stop eating fat, right? It's like, oh my God, no, stop it. Like, right. this, is, this is this is not what we've been lied to about. That's um, mm-hmm. really good for you, and your body is is making bile in order to absorb fat. It wants that fat when you run out of bile when you're eating fat. It's very difficult for your body to absorb fat. You ba- basically you absorb very little fat after that. You can absorb some but very little. The rest of that goes out in your stools and that's actually what keeps it soft. And you know, because oil repel, you know fat repels water that can stay in your colon until Christmas. It's never gonna get drier than it already is. And so that can that will always stay soft. And so you don't need fiber for that that scent. Now you actually don't want fiber either. So now people say, well, I don't mind it. I don't mind having salads. Well, actually, you don't want it because it can actually cause harm. You know, the first argument uh, that I heard when I was a kid was why we should eat fiber was, well, this was a good weight loss uh, right. thing. I remember you know, hearing it, that. Yes. Yeah. Well, because it's bulky and it yes. has no nutrients in it. So that was actually the argument for for plants at first was it has no nutrition. <laughs> you get nothing out of it, huh. but it feels like you're eating something and it, and it has bulk. And so that's going to hit the stretch receptors in your stomach. It's going to re- release a hormone called leptin, which will tell your brain, hey, look at that. We have food. Isn't that great? You don't need to eat as much. And this was thought to this. This was theorize that this would help you lose weight. And you just and there's the, the celery diet, you may remember this. You can eat as much celery as yes. you want. It takes more calories for your body to process mm-hmm. the celery than you'll actually get from the celery. So you can just eat as much celery as you want. You just keep eating celery and you'll just lose weight. Well, that didn't happen. You know, because they have a whole sorts of like nonsense in celery that's not good for you. You're not getting the nutrients and nutrition that you want. So you're you're just starving all the time. And your your body is not dumb. You are not going to fool millions of years of evolution you are just not that smart and if you were smart you would realize hey why don't I just eat what my body's designed to eat and let it do its thing so you know if if you're arguing that we should eat fiber because it's bulky and it doesn't give us nutrition and we can't get anything out of it like why don't you just eat a plastic bag <laughs> you know like this is the same thing yeah
0: right <laughs>
1: right And it's just like we shouldn't eat fiber for the same reason we shouldn't eat a plastic bag we can't break it down. We can't get any nutrition from it, and it causes harm. Fiber actually causes microabrasions in your gut lining, increases mucus secretion and, 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 and uh, inflammatory response, and can actually be uh, precipitate autoimmune issues as well, which is, which is a dysregulation of your inflammatory system, right? So you, know, you ask someone with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis how they do with fiber. You know, they say, oh, this is so good for your gut, so good for your gut. Then why does it absolutely cripple Anybody with IBD or IBS, yeah. right? When in surgery, when someone has a problem with diverticulitis or appendicitis, and or maybe some other sort of surgery, uh, and they're trying to and they're trying to let the bowel recover, what do they do? They put you on a low residue diet. Ie low fiber diet, so that uh, you don't have a lot going through your colon. You want to you it. want to eat things that your body absorbs in the small intestine, so you're not really getting any residue into the large intestine. Well, by definition, that's anything except fiber, right? Because you cannot break down fiber at all. And this is this is the silly thing that they um, that they try to to pitch as well is that you can't break down meat; it just sits in your in your gut for right. ten years. I remember hearing that as a kid. I was like. Is that is am I missing something that the gut is is as a tube. It only goes one way. Right. Like There's no like out pouches and things like that where it just like sits there. Or this is this is just the meat section It's just going to sit there and rot. <laughs> it just goes out. You know, yeah, I mean, like even as a kid, I could I could see how that didn't make any sense. Because if you couldn't if you couldn't break it down, you would just excrete it. And that's what fiber is. That's why we told people, eat fiber, because you can't break it down ever, all right? So, why are we saying that we can't break down meat? First of all, you can break down and absorb 98% of the meat you eat, as long as you're not eating it with fiber and all the protease inhibitors and phytates and, and antinutrients that come with plants. And whatever you don't absorb gets excreted. And so, it, it's, it's all backwards and mixed up. But if you, if you just start pulling at these threads, it all comes unraveled. The fiber um, causes huge bulk in your colon, and that is actually what's causing constipation, and that's actually what's causing blockages, because it, you, you literally, this is fiber. This is plant fiber. This is like a two by four getting stuck in your colon, right? And so there was a there was a study. <laughs> With over 2,000 colonoscopies where they were checking for, for diverticulosis, which is like the just basically the damage and outpouching of your distal colon. And then that can get infected. That's diverticulitis. And that, you can get that surgically resected. It's a big deal. People die from mm-hmm. this. And people say, like, oh, well, this is you need more fiber, you need more fiber. This is because you haven't been eating fiber. Well, that is an assumption and an assertion that was not based on any study, that was not based on any science. But that is what people took to the bank. That was what, got, what was the official recommendation. And again, official recommendations may not be right. They may be fraudulent. But in this case, they may not be based in anything. It was a guess. And then the studies were actually done with over 2,000 participants. And they found that the only things that were even correlated with an increased risk in diverticulosis was more fiber and more more bowel motions a day, right? And what do you have to do on a high fiber diet? Because you can't break it down. You cannot absorb it. You just keep defecating.
0: That's right. Emptying.
1: Again and again and again. Whereas if you're just eating meat, you're again going to absorb 98% of the meat that you eat. And <clears throat> and so you're going to have very, very little waste. And people say, oh, well, that's not good. You need to be you know pooping all the time. Like why? What does that have to do with anything? Uh, in fact, it's not good for you. In fact, it actually causes uh, colon disease and damage to your to your colon. So it's, it's actually bad for you.
0: Well, I think we solved all the problems of the world. Um, and, and through that, let me just say that um, Plant Free MD is your podcast. I'll send people in the show notes. I'm putting all the things we talked about. Chris Palmer's new book, of course, Dr. Listig. Um, there's just a lot that we talked about do you have a book have you written a book
1: i'm I'm in the process of of okay. writing one but this this year has been quite busy um you know mm-hmm. at the hospital and things like that right. so i haven't I, um, I guess being a neurosurgeon
0: yeah. has taken up some of your spare time
1: yeah. <laughs> so yeah well it's you know because i'm still i'm still in residency i'm still you know training um oh. for neurosurgery it's, it's, even, it's even more busy like yeah. if i was if i was done and i was just you know just i could i could just sort of pull back my, my hours a bit. Uh, but at the moment it's, uh, it's a bit more, but also because I, I've taken on the podcast this year and I've also been doing the functional medicine, uh, work as well on the weekends. Good. So if I'm not working at the hospital on the weekends, I am working at the clinic and then in any sort of spare hour, I'm, uh, you know, doing these and, and trying to get things going there. So, which is what I want to do. And I, I really find it very enjoyable and fulfilling. Uh, but it is very busy as well.
0: Okay. Well, they'll, when you circle back as they say when the book is published and we can talk again but great conversation today thank you so much and um tell all the people in australia to eat more meat
1: yeah, I was, i'm doing my best yeah they're they're very very uh, up on the vegan uh, side of things but i got here and i was you know people found out i was only eating meat they were just just shocked and angered most of them I know. but uh, you know it's, it's actually it's actually moving there's a lot of people that have move to this this sort of uh, way of eating and understanding that this is uh, something they've just been lied to and so it's, it's uh, growing more and more popular, which is great.
0: Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher said podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher said podcast is produced by Clantoncreative.com.